Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Pack, the official sports podcast of the Nevada Sagebrush. I am your host, as usual, Derek Raritan, and with me is the wonderful Dominic Gutierrez. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. How are you? It's been a long, very tiring week, to say the least, for me. But that's because my other job had a lot of priorities this weekend. So, how about you? Getting into the crunch time, so a lot no. of papers and tests and fun times. We are a month away from being done with the semester, believe it or not. So, or at least until final start. So, who knows? Anyway, on the docket today, a lot of basketball has happened in the past week. Two games for women's basketball to be exact, and a career-defining moment for a certain Keenan Blackshear for the men's team on Sunday. We're going to get into both of those. As well as discuss a little bit of football, but sadly they've become kind of like a minor footnote to basketball in the last week. So we're going to kind of follow with that. Apologies for that. Anyway, but before we get into any of that, we have another edition of A Week in Review, starting with women's volleyball. The women's volleyball team played two games in the past week. Their first was on November 9th, where they played the Air Force Academy on the road and lost in straight sets 0-3. The second was on November 11th. The team lost to the New Mexico Lobos 2-3, going back and forth with the Lobos in winning sets. The next two games are on November 16th against Boise State and November 18th against Utah State, both of those being home games in the Virginia Street Gym. Dom, you want to take over cross-country? Yep. So the cross-country team competed in the NCAA Mountain Regional Championships on November 10th. The men's team finished 15th out of 17 teams with 408 points. The women's team finished 17th out of 20 teams with 508 points. And they will compete in the NCAA Championships on Saturday, November 18th. All right. Next up is football. They took on Utah State on Saturday night and lost four. 41 to 24. One of the highlights of the game was AJ Bianco, freshman quarterback, making his first career start, going 13 for 25 in completions with 161 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Nevada will take their 2-8 record to Colorado, where they will take on the Colorado State Rams against former Nevada head coach Jay Norvell. <laughs> nice. Do you want to take women's basketball? Yeah, so the women's basketball team had their home opener against Sac State on November 9th, in which they won that game 69-53. The team collected 23 steals and forced Sacramento State into 28 turnovers in route to the win. And in their second game on the road, they lost to Long Beach State 79-57 on November 12th. And they will take that one-on-one record back home at Lawler against Pepperdine on November 17th. And rounding out everybody is the men's basketball program who played Washington University on November 12th, beating the Huskies 83 to 76 off of a off of Keenan Blackshear's 31 point career high night. Jared Lucas and Nick Davidson both got in the double digits of points as well, and Davidson and Trey Coleman grabbed nine rebounds each. Nevada held Washington to 29.4% shooting from the three-point line for the game and never allowed the Huskies to gain a lead. Their next game is tonight, November 15th, against the University of Pacific Tigers at home. So with a little bit of a roundup out the way, let's talk about basketball first. Why not? We'll talk about the women's basketball team first because it's kind of going in order. Mm-hmm. They're doing pretty well. I was very, not to be rude, but I was very happy and surprised 
that they beat Sac State knowing all the stats. And they beat them cleanly by 16 points, too. A defensive showing, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, like I said, talking about the 23 steals, forcing the 28 turnovers. Those 23 steals were the fourth most by an old pack team in a single game during this NCAA era. And this is the first team for Nevada under head coach Amanda Levins to actually record at least 20 steals in the game. So, hmm. yeah, to say it was a defensive sh- or a defensive masterclass would be an understatement. But yeah, obviously, the whole defense wins championships. You know, it might not win them a championship, but it sure as hell won them this game. So No, and that's the thing. A lot of people forget about that, especially with sports. And this is why, like, some sports like, like football, I think back to the Super Bowl round for the Patriots. Everybody was upset that, oh, wow, they're not doing good. You know, this is like a really bad game. And while, yes, offensively, it was a really bad game. Everybody can kind of admit that. Defensively, it was amazing. And that's what we saw similarly, like comparatively, from the women's basketball team is they just sat there and were like, okay, we're going to run you down. We're going to make sure that you don't get too much breathing room and we'll and we'll catch up or excuse me, and you'll have to play catch up later on. Right. Mm-hmm. I was very, very proud of how well the women's team just did in general. Right. And I'm kind of saddened that they lost by to, to Long Beach by that much on Saturday, Sunday, I believe. So, yeah, that, that kind of sucked, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. But still very, very proud of how the women's team did. I'm too sure about that. And then they had Long Beach. But Pepperdine, let's get a little bit into a prediction because they have their game on Friday against Pepperdine. They lost to New Mexico on last Thursday, right? Mm-hmm. So they lost to them 48 to 57, right? I'm pulling out the stats right now, so we're going to kind of get into that. And were held 2 for 14 from th- the 3. Had a 32.3% shooting percentage in general. They made 75% of their field goals. That's good for them. But just overall, horrid performance from Pepperdine. And this again, this was a game before. Um, they are currently 2-1. and one, And they only scored 4 points in the first quarter. And had to play catch-up the entire time and literally couldn't. So... I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Let me pull up uh, their last game, which was against Caltech, where they absolutely dominated 79-42, to right? So a a staunchingly different result. Shot, what, 10 for 20, so 50% from the three-point line, which that's amazing, to say the least. Uh, 52.4% from the field goals in general, and then they had five... They made five or six free throws. So as much as I'm talking about their offense here, I'm bringing this back a little bit to, you know, in corporate Nevada. Nevada has shown that they can do defense really well. Pepperdine has shown they can do offense really well. Who prevails? Do you have any prediction for that by chance? Or is that more or less just like a, we'll see how they turn out because it seems to be pretty inconsistent. Yeah, I think that that just comes down to a, it's going to be one of those back and forth, you know, the final score is going to be between probably one to three points. Okay. Something like that. And whether, you know, who wins or not, usually, you know, you always see those final couple, you know, the final couple minutes of a basketball game, especially college, you know, it's always going to come down to, you know, who can win the turnover battle and who can make that defensive stop. So I think that comes down from that, yeah, just about, you know, who can exactly make that final defensive stop. So like you had said, obviously Nevada, they've been playing great defensive ball, you know, in their first two games. So I think that's where, especially in those final minutes, that's where Nevada's going to have the advantage. And I think that's where they're going to be able to win the game by, you know, it's two minutes left one minute left where 
you know, all it takes is one missed shot or one steal, whatever the case is, by Pepperdine. And so I definitely think it's going to be definitely a close game. I would say maybe, maybe like a 66-64 Nevada win. So it'll definitely be close, but it's definitely going to come down to how well Nevada's defense can get the final stop. Right. And, yeah, no, this this is going to be a defensive bout. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a game in the 50s. Like, like both teams are going to get in the 50s. I, I can't give you a perfect score because cause I just don't know. Yeah. I ha- We have to see how Pepperdine does offense. If Nevada can come in and be like, hey, y'all ain't doing what you did to Caltech, we will make sure of that, then they should be able to close out this game pretty well. And we'll get a good taste of Pepperdine again because as of today, the November 15th, they do take on Fresno State. And Fresno State was coming off, uh, I believe they scored 100 points. Oh, um, damn. Fresno uh, State. Fresno State won 100 to 47 in their last <laughs> win. Oh, my God. Um, so it's. We'll get a good test of where Pepperdine's at after the game today with Fresno. It gives Nevada a much better look at, you know, they played another Mountain West team, so let's more recent chance to exploit whatever weaknesses they show, whether they beat Fresno or not. That's fair. Alrighty. I respect that. So, well, I think it's time to move on a little bit. Before we get into men's basketball, I do want to quickly talk about football. Not because of their performance, because we've kind of beat that dead horse numerous times, and I'd rather not, but rather, I want to talk about AJ Bianco. We halfway predicted that. I think we spoke his start into existence, personally, because this was not monumental, but this was a step in the right direction, personally. I think, I mentioned this last week, Bianco starting the rest of the week will be insanely important for the future of Nevada football. They need to continue this. They need to give Bianco more starts. They need to give Bianco the ball probably for the rest of the year just to see if he's actually worth a damn. And from there, because you have a lot of people leaving too. I know, I believe Sean Dollars is in his final year of eligibility. And that's just one of the notable people that either there's a chance of losing them because of how you know bad the team has been doing. And thus, you know, maybe transfer portal comes into play. Maybe other stuff comes into play, right? Or you have a lot of people graduating that you need to have around him so they can build him so then a good step in the right direction personally they need to continue this you know he put up 161 passing yards i would say that rivals most of brendan lewis's first starts for the team minus against usc because he had he balled against usc a bit right so he already did that in a one game now, of course it's utah state i understand this it's not usc it's not idaho it's not any of these teams that we faced in the beginning right but he's shown glimpses of this in the past, and now he's doing this. He has two touchdowns. I think, he, if I remember correctly, he has like six passing touchdowns, if not some something damn near close. Mm-hmm. That's triple the amount of touchdowns or passing touchdowns that Brendan Lewis has, and he's only gotten one start. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm very happy that Bianco's getting a start. Yeah, and I think, especially since we're out of contention for anything, the goal should be to let him start out the rest of the season. I mean, he wasn't obviously perfect in this game obviously you know the two turnovers one of them being the pick six he is good with his legs but it's not like Brandon Lewis and he definitely he just needs more pocket awareness and as he was running around a lot and he wasn't exactly you know when he had pressure in his face he you know kind of was just running all over the place and you know was getting hit a lot and that was part of what led to what led to that pick six but just to see the passing game open up more 
Griffin and Lil used to sing. I think that's the biggest factor. And I mean, Lewis still did, you know, make a couple appearances and, you know, he was more providing, you know, some runs on, you know, draw or read options. Pretty sure I mentioned it in the last episode, which I think that's how Nevada should run this offense, you know? Bianco's a great runner, you know, he can really improvise and make plays with his legs, but you need more out of a quarterback. You need someone who is able, if they need to throw it 20 yards down the field, that they can do that. And You mean Lewis, not Bianco. Lewis, correct. So, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. going to say, wait. <laughs> and, you know, Bianco, has you know, Lewis has shown that maybe one or two games, but he's not consistent with it. Bianco at least shows that he has that more cannon of an arm where he can open up the play field a little bit more, you know, and defenses know that he's just not going to take off and run with the ball nine out of ten plays. So I think heading into these last two games against Colorado State and Wyoming, that should be the game plan, you know, let Bianco start, but still throw Lewis in there a couple times, do some draws, whatever it is, and, you know, kind of spice it up a little bit. That's fair. I agree with you. Do we think that this Wilson-led Nevada team can beat Colorado State? I'm not asking for a prediction. I'm not asking for any of that. I'm just asking, like, bare bones straight, can Nevada get a dub here? Because last year, it was very much like, you know, Norvell left. It was kind of the pieces of what Norvell's team was. So Wilson didn't really know what he was doing just yet. And this is a team now that this isn't the majority of Norvell's kids. Or, excuse me, uh, athletes, right? So this is a new team. This is a team that has that Wilson basically handcrafted, right? So is this a team genuinely that can win the part two of this sort of, you know, Colorado State-Nevada rivalry just because, you know, Norvell left for Colorado State? I think that, I mean, I think, you know, obviously going up against Ken Norvell again, it's... Ken Norvell? <laughs> Jay Norvell, excuse me. I have Ken Wilson on the mind. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but I the coach on the mind. <laughs> obviously facing, you know, anytime we're gonna face a former coach or anything like that, it's gonna put, you know, a little extra added motivation. But and Colorado State's still unlikely to make a bowl, but they do have a chance. I mean they won their last game against the the Aztecs, Aztecs yeah. So, you know, they're more towards the bottom, but they, like I said with Utah, they still have, they kind of still have something to play for as well. So, you know, when you look at Colorado State and Nevada, they're on two opposite ends of the field of, you know, Nevada's eliminated. They really, all they have left to play for is getting more wins than they did last season. Colorado State, you know, it's slim, but they still have that small possibility of they catch win, then they can, you know, they can pick something up. And their last two games are, against Nevada and Hawaii and now I wouldn't say Hawaii is as much of a bottom feeder as they were in the beginning of the season I mean they just beat Air Force for God's sake right so that's insane so Hawaii's you know they they have a bit of confidence to them but obviously on paper you know the odds are in Colorado State's favor so you know Norvell's looking at that and saying you know this team still has a lot to play for so it's no matter what Nevada has with them I I don't think they're going to be able to pull this one out either I just see it being very similar to the Utah State game where, you know, there's just too much on the line for the opponent and not enough on the line for Nevada to really push them over the edge. See, I disagree with you, but agree with you. So, I think that there is not much of a chance Nevada can beat Colorado State. I think there is a slim, slim chance. But there's just, Colorado State's kind of proven that they can beat teams, like, pretty handedly, too. They did go on a three-game losing streak before beating San Diego State, but they beat them by three. You see them beat teams 
like Utah Tech. Wow, they really haven't won that many games this year. That That's upsetting. I would be upset if I was at Colorado State. But being in a similar situation, they almost took down Colorado. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, Colorado University and, you know, priming everybody over there. Not doing the greatest as of now. Hyper died. No kidding. But I think that, you know, still contending with an in-state rivalry like that is huge. Now, of course, they lose to Utah State by similar figures to us. They barely beat Boise State, which, hey, kudos. That's pretty damn rough to beat Boise nowadays in football. They barely lose to UNLV, right? We got smashed by UNLV. They got smacked by Air Force. We don't play Air Force this year, so sadly. They got beat by nine points against Wyoming, which was a very big powerhouse in the Mountain West early in the season. So only lose it by nine. Kudos. And then they beat San Diego State like by three like we did. But, you know, obviously they scored points and San Diego State did. We didn't. Yeah. We scored two field goals and they didn't score anything. So I think this comes down to, again, we talked about the defense all throughout the year, but I think this comes down to what version of Nevada's defense we see. If we get this, you know, team that we can really look at and just go, yes, these guys got it. These guys have this. We like These guys are doing things against the things against San Diego State and... I'm blanking who Nevada beat also. New Mexico. They're doing these things that they did against New Mexico and against San Diego State. Once again, we can beat Colorado State, but it's hinging only on the defense. The offense is in shambles right now, yeah. which is insane because, again, we mentioned this a lot uh, you know, in previous months. They were highly transferred. Like, they were highly regarded as like one of the better classes that we saw, mm-hmm. right? And that's no dig to anybody like that. That is, is doing good. Bianco just got his first start, who did pretty well, right? Sean Dollar's got two tutties uh, uh, last game, too. So it's like, it's not as if the whole machine is broken. It's just the good pieces are being severely shot by the bat. So, I mean, coming into the season, we were, you know, we weren't projected to be, you know, atop the Mountain West. But when you see how many transfers we had, especially Pac-12 transfers that we had that were... From, like, Cal and stuff, yeah. Oregon and all these other top teams and... Most of them being on the offense, this team should have easily been a around the five one mark. Yeah, anywhere between four and six, probably. Right. Nowhere near starting off how they did, and then only having two wins so far with only two games left to go. Because they lose these next two games, guess what? They have they finish with a two and ten record, which is what they finished with last season. Which so in Ken Wilson's horrible. Yeah. So that would mean in Ken Wilson's two years here, he's only won four games. <sighs> we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. We just have to see what team comes out on Saturday night. Alrighty, finishing out. We have a couple more minutes left before we really have to start, you know, packing things up. But Keenan Blackshear is a dog. We've known this. We've known Keenan Blackshear is a dog, right? He had a skip in the last four games of the season last year. It seemed as if in some games he was scared to shoot the ball, right? That was a critique that everybody had. Coming out the gates this season, he's a dog, right? Sacramento State, I be- let me pull up the stats real quick just to make sure. Sacramento State, he has 14 points all in the second half, mm-hmm. right? While contributing seven rebounds and two assists, right? And then the next game you're thinking to yourself okay maybe he's a, he's a second half guy right you know maybe lucas will ca- uh, will take care a little bit more again you know it's whatever and what does he do he drops 31 points a career high for the man himself it's insane now granted he was second not second excuse me but like he was more like a down the line sort of player still mm-hmm. every single you know big double-digit appearance that he had in the the game in each half always came after the 10-minute mark, 
right? Or at least a little bit, maybe like a little bit before the 10 minute mark, you know, like the 1038 mark around there. So it wasn't as if it was just him just taking over the game entirely and scoring the points evenly. But it, when that clock struck 10 or 9, something clicked in that man's head and he went to town, to say the least. Well, I mean, on top of that, he had six rebounds, five assists, a steal. Um, I'm pretty sure he had the most minutes on the court out of Nevada. So he was just all over the bas- all over the court. Excuse me. He yeah. was just dominant. Him, him and Jared Lucas both had 36 minutes that mm-hmm. game. Yeah. So, but this just goes to show that he is solidified as one of Nevada's best players, right? He is something to look for going forward, period, right? But I think at the exact same time, this shows his ability to just, like, help take over a game when it was necessary. Jared Lucas went 3 for 12. Now, of course, you know, you, you know the misses are counted. Are, I don't know if misses, if, like, you get fouled and you miss it, it counts as a miss. I believe it doesn't in college. So, to each their own, I have to double check that. But, like, Jared Lucas went 3 for 12. Nick Davidson went 4 for 10. Trey Coleman went 3 for 9. So, offensively, this was the Keenan Blackstreet show, right? And, I mean, as we said it in the first one, too, you know, these first two games, the free throws have been on point. And oh, I easily, free yeah. throws like no other. It's just, it's shooting from the three that obviously has been a struggle. I they mean, went, in this one, they went 2 and 14. Yeah, dude, I, I saw that number. Which was went, even worse yikes. than last week's game, which they went 4 for 15. So, you know, it, it's two games in. You know, you can say they're just starting off cold, and, you know, they're still finding ways to win even without the three-pointer. And, you know, Nevada's not a crazy three-point shooting team. As no, yeah. As what we've seen, you know, like, they're in the Martin Twin days and all that. But obviously, you know, if you want to be in serious contention for an NCAA bid, you want to win a game in that tournament, and then even just heading into conference play, it just it has to – there has to be a – some mark where that actually improves fair i don't know if i agree with you and the reason like the reasoning for that is because nevada last year as a really non like three-point shooting team well yeah and there's nothing you know if they're still winning games well yeah that's totally fine i was gonna say yeah like it's if they still win it's fine it's scary because if you have no other options in the inside threat and all of a sudden they have an inside, like, you know, a center, a power forward or some sort of, you know, prime defender that can pick uh, pockets like no other, it's a little scary, to say the least. But I think this is very much just showing that you don't need the three ball in order to win, right? You don't. This is a Pac-12 team that Nevada just beat, mm-hmm. right? And they outscored Washington by... 11 points in the first half and they only let they only let up four points in the second so if this continues and i want to get your opinion on this one because this is i kind of want to end it with this um before going into tonight and a little bit of a preview if this continues i think nevada basketball gets ranked for the first time since the martin twins mm-hmm. right i think it's the, no i i think and if it is the last time that they got ranked was with the martin twins i believe i have to double check that i'm not fully certain about that but i think that if this continues Nevada basketball, men's basketball, gets ranked. Period. No fans are ass. Do I think it's going to be high? Not really. <laughs> I don't think. I don't really think I've seen a Mountain West team get higher. You know, ranked higher than like maybe like 15, and that was like San Diego State last year. Mm-hmm. So tweets their own. We'll figure that out later. Like the actual number that Nevada can reach. But I do think that trends continue. We have a ranked team at Nevada, personally. I mean, with how their schedule is set up, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to go undefeated and out of conference play, but there's a lot of wins that they can pick up before they even touch a Mountain West team. So, you know, starting off that, that's obviously going to be huge. 
and I do think they're going to beat Pacific. We've talked about it before, but this is a much deeper team than last year. This is definitely, you know, between the depth and the skill set that even players like Blackshear have kind of matured in from last year. It's This is definitely a Nevada team where even if they don't get ranked, they should be in the conversation for it. And it's definitely a team where, you know, obviously knock on wood, but that surpasses last year's win total and makes it a little higher than just the first four in that they did last year. Like I said last week, I think we have a really good shot at winning the Mountain West Championship this year. If things continue. If things continue. You have to pre- kind of preface that. What's your prediction for tonight? You're the one writing for uh, Mountain West Connection. Shout out Mountain West Connection. <laughs> so... I'm going to say, and I still need to look at each team's more into their stats and such, um, but I do think Nevada, they might take a small step back. Um, I see them scoring in the 70-ish range, higher 70 range, especially since specific. I know they they are more of a shooting team, which obviously Nevada is not. I definitely think both teams might hit the 70s. It's going to be a lot. I feel like it'll be much more much more of a closer game than Nevada has had the first two wins. Right. I do still think Nevada wins this game and goes 3-0, but I see it. It's going to be probably a three-point, four-point win right. around there. That's fair. I think Nevada wins this by at least two scores. So I think... And the reason why I say that is because our inside threat is so dominant. Yeah. And that's not just from the big men, right? Because Jazz Gardner hit a three in the first game. <laughs> yeah. And I'm very proud of him. We gotta get on. We gotta get him on the podcast eventually. I love talking to that man. But knowing that Pacific is super extraordinary from the three-point line, they shot. Well, I'm looking at the stats right here. They shot 13 of 26 from the three in their last game against California. So it just goes to show that these guys can shoot the ball. But we, like I mentioned earlier. We held Washington to an under 30% three-point uh, three percentage last game. Yeah. So it's not as if we can't contest them. It's just a matter of, again, this is a matter of will Nevada's defense win or will Nevada's offense win? And then we go from there. So anyway, I think that we win probably – I'm with you on the 70s. I think we're going to win 73-68, somewhere around there. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much for listening to uh, this episode of Talking Pack. Make sure to follow us on our socials on Instagram and Twitter or X. We will eventually start posting on there. I promise to get over there eventually. Also, happy 10 episodes, Dom. This is the 10th episode of Talking Pack. Very, very happy about that. To more episodes to come. So, anyways, thank you all so very much for listening. And we hope to see you next time. Have a good one, everybody. Have a good one.